Hey there, yellow chicken nuggets. It's me, Carl. Welcome to camp, or retreat, or whatever you call it. I just have a couple rules to go over with you guys. Well, just one rule. Rule number one, have fun, and that's it. Just having fun at camp. There are no rules. Well, I mean, just the one rule, having fun. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to What's the Wi-Fi Password? The message you're about to listen to is from our 2020 high school winter camp at Mount Hermon. This was an awesome weekend full of shenanigans, teachings, and community with other churches across California. Hope you enjoyed. Alright, alright. So, the way that this is going to work, maybe some of you have seen... Oh, excuse me. I've seen a panel before and seen kind of how these things are done. Maybe you haven't and you're like, what's a panel? And by some of your guys' questions, it's like, oh yeah, they don't even know what's going on. Um, <laughs> like, what's your favorite spice? Um, <laughs> I was like, well, how can I be snarky? Uh, whatever flavor Erica is, that's my favorite spice. Okay, ooh. <laughs> um, that's my wife, by the way. That's my wife. Okay, let's get serious. It's serious here. So, but really, for all you guys that wrote questions and put some heart and thought into it, thank you so much for doing that. We, uh, we kind of sorted through them and kind of put in here the ones that we thought would kind of be more reflective to the heart of not just you guys' generation, but this weekend. And so, first I want to introduce the panel up here. Uh, my name is Joshua. I'm the youth pastor at Calvary Monterey. I've been doing youth ministry for, this year will be 15 years. Uh, my wife and I will be married for 13 years in May. Uh, I became a Christian when I was like 13, 14 years old. I was not raised in a Christian home. Uh, and so my understanding of Christ was pretty none until I was invited to a Christian concert. Uh, the OC Supertones is actually the band that's been playing in the background. Uh, ska music. Who knows what ska? Okay. Yeah, some ska. The old time. Oh, yeah, there we go. See, that means their parents know about. Okay. So anyway, um... And so, but through that, from like 13, 14 years old, going to youth group, coming to camps just like this one, uh, the Lord continued to work in me and stir in me and grow me and mature me through failures and through dips and struggles and all the things that you guys are going through, um, just kind of grew and matured to where in my late teens, early 20s, I felt the calling to become a youth pastor, and that has not gone away. So uh, here I am today. So kind of going down the line, we've got Meg. So Meg is one of my youth workers, volunteers. She's, just, she's been with us for close to three years now. Um, she's recently got married. Yeah, yeah. About a year ago, yeah. Um, her husband, Reed, is also one of, my, one of my amazing volunteers, but he had to work this weekend. Uh, and so I asked Meg to come up because just the place in life that she is. Uh, Meg, you're what, 26? 25? Um, just kind of where she's at, coming out of college, has a, has a career job, newly married. Uh, I have my wife up here, Erica. So she is going to be 32 in a couple days. No, 33. She's going to be 33 in a couple days. Uh, that 23rd, I know her birthday. Okay. So anyway, um, and so she was raised in a Christian home, but um, a very dysfunctional Christian home and um, with a lot of mental illness and a lot of pre, like, like bad examples of what it means to walk in Christ. And really not until like late into her teens, early into her twenties, she started accepting and really pursuing Jesus uh, as her savior. And so kind of what she's been through and continue to, uh, you guys all have heard and seen Miss Tate. 
Um, or just Tate, sorry, she hates when I call her Miss Tate. Um, <laughs> and so Tate, as you've heard her testimony, she's going to be 25 this year. 24? 25 this year. Um, you know, divorced about a year ago, but has continued to walk through that and seek the Lord. And she faithfully serves uh, with me through children's ministry and through youth ministry. Um, then also we have Mr. Jamie Harper, who is going to be also 35 this year. Dude. Um, and Jamie is a, is a single man that pursues the Lord, and he is faithful, right? He, yeah, he's a single guy. No, anyway. <laughs> There's some leaders out there. I know some leaders out there. No. <laughs> um, but Jamie is faithful. He's been serving in youth ministry for over 10 years, uh, just as a volunteer and just as a man that just, just seeks the Lord. And, and I, I'm pretty convinced that if this man stopped praying, our youth ministry would just fall apart. Like, this building would fall down if this man stopped praying. So, so Jamie's up here with all his wisdom. And then I got Mr. Mark Annenberg up here. So this guy's just uh, a young man. You're going to be 21 this year? 22? 23? 24? Turn, oh, he's turning 25. Okay, sorry. <laughs> he looks younger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's 25. Uh, he has started kind of his career in the last year or two. Um, he moved to Monterey, and he actually grew up in kind of a Christian slash missionary home. And, uh, and he is just kind of pursuing the Lord and still even in his mid-20s, just kind of, even though he's productive and he's plugged into a church and he's a part of the young adults, he's still pursuing and seeking what God would have for him as he just continues to grow past 25. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I wanted these guys up here specifically because they're from different walks of life. And, you know, you hear from, a, you know, a guy like me all the time, a youth pastor, and that's good. Keep going to your youth pastors. They're there for a reason. They have a calling on their life. Uh, but I want to take these questions and just kind of share with you from their perspective a little bit, uh, just so that you kind of get from the different walks of life and that. You guys okay with that? Okay, so take about an hour to do this. We won't go through all the questions probably, but let's get started. Okay, you guys ready? Yeah. Okay, so first question. <sighs> all right. <laughs> How do I help someone close to me get to know God when they have been through very hard times and cut him out because of anger or fear? So how do I reach out to somebody through anger and fear and show them God? Let's take this one. Go ahead, Meg. Um, so I think my like weakness in this is that sometimes I doubt that God is able to, um, like when someone's hurting and going through a hard time, that I doubt that he's going to be what like they need. Um, and so in my own life, I have to really be conscious of knowing that like even if someone's going through a hard time and I think that like I can't relate or I don't know like I just doubt that like I have the right words but I do it's turning to the Lord and trusting that he is good and he's sovereign and he's um everything that we've learned this week and that he is able to change um change us and he is the, the one the one that's going to fulfill us um, so I think it starts kind of answering just maybe the first portion of that question, but just trusting that the Lord is enough um, for any situation that you might have a friend going through. That's good. Um, to piggyback off of that, I would say, you guys, Matthew 5, verse 13 and 14 says that you guys are the light, the light and the salt in this world. You know, so even if somebody walks away from the Lord because they are going through a hard season or they're angry or they're living in fear it doesn't mean that god's given up on them you know and so you guys shouldn't give up on them either 
God lives in you. Jesus lives in you, especially if you have accepted him. And so just you living, being an example with him, not writing them off because the, what they've like, I'm no longer believing in God because this is happening. Um, you guys, just you living and continuing to love on them is an example in and of itself right there. And you're going to continue to point them. They're going to continue to see God, not because they're going to church, but because you're choosing to be that example with them on a daily life. So, yeah. And maybe the last thing I'd say is um, Proverbs 10:12 says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offense. Or there, another version says, love covers a multitude of sins. And so your love is covering them, right? Your love is showing them that Jesus still loves them, even if they're rejecting Jesus in their anger and doubt. And you can pray for them, but you don't need to pray. You know, like if they reject you praying with them, you can still pray for them. You can still love on them. You can still sit next to them and be quiet and silent. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to know the verses to tell them. You can just labor in prayer for them and love them. And, um, you know, if you join in their hate, though, that's what stirs up the strife. That's what stirs up the anger and continues that. So you don't want to agree with them in the anger or hatred that they have, but you just want to be there to love them through it. Yeah, that's good. Do you guys have anything to add? Is that good? Yeah, I'll, I'll say one thing. Um, I think it's important just to, um, d definitely what Tate said, just pray for him. Um, it, will it might take a long time for them to come and receive the Lord. Um, but I know in my own life, I've seen friends uh, come back to the Lord that I would have never thought um, would so and that just not by me praying but by the power of God and also just jump on opportunities to give lunch with them I'm horrible at that Josh will Josh can tell you that but um, jump on opportunities to just just to testify to them um, uh, from your own life so mm -hmm. yeah yeah, lastly, I just think, um, you know, we live in an imperfect world, and we're all imperfect people, and so oftentimes when we're angry and we're suffering, um, we turn and we think we're mad at God, um, and we don't want to hear Christianity, but the truth is, it's it's the best thing, it's the only thing that's actually going to get us through those hard times, um, so oftentimes I feel like these people who might be angry, um, that you're close to, that you want to show God, they're going to try to rely on you and the people around them too much. Um, but ultimately, not because there's something wrong with you, but you're not going to be able to solve all their problems. People aren't going to solve their problems. It's going to be Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like the rest of the team was saying, through your life, show what God's doing in your life, the love he's giving you, and hopefully that will reflect and um, be the bigger witness. It's mm. good. It's good, good. All right, so kind of going off of that, if you know, we're reaching out to friends and things like that, Mark, I'm going to lob this one to you. How should I live for God daily to be that example to those friends? Living for God, sorry, living for God daily. That is a easier said than done. Um, I I need to challenge myself more. I'm a notoriously bad reader. Um, last year I read a total of zero books and listened to zero podcasts. Um, 
But with that said, uh, I really would encourage you guys to get into your Bibles daily. Um, that's what I've started this year, and it's really helped me um, put my focus more on God and also spiritual things, kind of building that spiritual appetite that Riley was talking about. Oftentimes, we're so content with, oh, sweet, I went to church, um, so I should, be, I should be pretty good with God. Like, I'm, I'm getting that Christian input, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is good. I want you to be learning from others, other Christians, spending that time in fellowship. But really, your heart's going to change when you actively turn, um, turn to him and set aside that, that personal time, that it's just you and God. It's not you, God, and the rest of the church and your friends. But it's that time where you're, you're most vulnerable with him. So yeah, I think um, to have that daily walk, have that daily time with God. Otherwise, it's hard to walk with someone you're not spending alone time with, I think. Thanks, Mark. All right, so next question, um, as we keep going on. This one, whoever wrote this, very thoughtful. Uh, what are healthy expectations for God or of God? What are healthy expectations of God? Will he provide a relationship for me? These are examples. Will he protect me? Uh, what are specific promises of God that apply to my life? And they put, like, verses in there. So pass this down. So what are healthy expectations of God in my life, Tate? This is a very tough question. It's a good question. Very it's a very good question. Because expectations are what fail many of us, right? They bring disappointment. Expectations of friendships, of relationships, of school, of your pastors even, right? Like, if all of a sudden Joshua was just to leave, like, all of us would be, that our expectation of him would be devastated, right? So we all have expectations. Expectations are a part of our human experience. But the key to that is having the right expectation, right? And oftentimes we don't know what the right expectation is because what we see or what we are intaking are incorrect expectations. So for example, if all I'm watching are romantic movies of a guy dating a girl and then proposing to her and then having this happily ever after, even though he's cheated on her or something, that's not a good expectation, right? But if that's all I'm intaking, then I think that that becomes my expectation. So in order to get right expectations, and you guys are just going to like be like, oh my gosh, all they keep saying is read your Bible. <laughs> but that's really the only way to get correct expectations because the correct expectations are in here. And you know what? Unfortunately, the Bible doesn't say, hey, Tate is going to get married. Tate is going to have $100 million in the bank. Like... Tate is going to have a career for 30 years. The Bible does not say any of that stuff, but that's kind of the expectations that I thought, right? That's like, you get, you go to university, you get a career, you're going to make such and such money, you're going to have these many kids. Yeah, what, the list can go on and on. Your expectation of high school might have been so different. You might have thought it was going to be like high school musical. There'd be singing every day. I don't know what your expectation of high school was. Um, your expectation of homeschool might be different. You thought you'd get to sleep in and your mom's making you wake up at 8 o'clock and you're like, what is this? I, you know, right? Like expectations fail us. But there are promises in here. There are promises. And the promise... Sorry, the high school musical really threw you guys. Okay. Um... The promise that I've been clinging to, and it's so hard for me to believe, like even today, this is the promise I'm clinging to, maybe if I can find it. Basically, I think it's in Psalm 27, no, 37. Okay, here we go. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight 
yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So let's just be really real. Um, Delighting myself in the Lord when my day is horrible is really hard. But gratitude changes your attitude. Do you like that? I think it's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Gratitude really does, you guys. It really Tweet does. Tweet <laughs> They're not on Twitter. Didn't you see my poll? Yeah. Okay. But you guys. TikTok. <laughs> they don't like it either. Shh. Okay. He doesn't know anything. He's 35. Okay. I'm just kidding. I don't know what TikTok is. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. No. But you guys, delighting yourself in the Lord is being thankful. It is choosing joy and gratitude even when you don't feel like it. When I was going through my season of darkness, my season of depression and loneliness, and there was nothing good about my day, I would just have to thank God for silly things. I was going to say stupid, but I guess I can't say that. I have like a children's ministry filter because I talk to kids mostly, but you guys are not kids. Okay. So it's thanking God for things like that I'm alive that I have a healthy body, that I can eat dairy and gluten, um, thanking him for things like my car, um, for gas that's not three, that's 350 and not 450. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you're choosing the little small things, but I'm waking up and I'm looking and I'm, and I, I'm wanting to delight myself, right? It's wanting to delight yourself. And when you do that, it says that you, he will give you the desires of your heart. And then I'm like, okay, but Lord, my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked and it's a black hole and I like, I know it's bad. So that doesn't really make sense. Like, what if my desires aren't good, right? I start going down that trail. Like, what if my desires are impure or holy? What if unholy? What if I make bad choices? But the more I spend time with the Lord, the more I'm becoming like Christ. So I know that my desires are going to align with the things that Christ wants for me. And then I'm just going to throw this out there too. Like if you are want, if you are struggling to delight yourself because everybody around you is negative and, and like complaining, get new people. Like don't be around people that are complaining and negative because that's going to affect you. If you're struggling because every single one of your friends is, has a boyfriend and all she talks about is a boyfriend, get a new girlfriend that doesn't have a boyfriend. You know, find a friend that I'm being so serious. Like I had all married friends. And so if I continued to hang out with my married friends, I was going to become envious and jealous and frustrated because all they wanted to do was talk about their marriages. And I didn't have that anymore. So I had to stretch myself. I had to put myself back out there and I had to make new friends. Now those friends are still my friends, but you know what I mean? Like I had to choose, I had to fight to delight. I had to fight to delight. But when you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And that's only one promise of God. You can always go to Google and search the promises of God. And like, I think a hundred of so will pop up. There's probably more. Jamie knows the exact number of promises. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a lot of promises in the Bible, but that's one that I, that I cling to and that I'm holding on to. Um, one thing before I decided to like really trust in Jesus, I was living kind of a double life. I didn't want to give up my sinful lifestyle, but I knew that I wanted to follow Jesus, but I didn't trust. I didn't expect him to come through. I didn't expect him to be better um, than the life that I was living where I could find approval and I could have fun sometimes. Um, I didn't expect him to come through, but like when we talk about healthy expectations of God is like we can expect him to fill, fill us. Um, just like to the Samaritan woman at the well that he says he's like she's going to go keep going back to that well for water and she's never going to be fully satisfied and Jesus says I'm the only thing that's going to satisfy you and so we can 
it, we can expect him to do that. And I think that for me was like a turning point when my whole rebellious lifestyle kind of came crashing down. And I was like, I don't have anything else, but so I'm just gonna, if I'm gonna start believing in this word, then Jesus, you have to come through. You have to fulfill me because I don't, I'm just gonna trust you to do that. And he, re he really does. I didn't, I came back to, it was over my semester break at college and I came back to school and I didn't have any friends because I was now a believer. I wasn't gonna live that lifestyle. And then Jesus saved a few girls over that year and really brought them in. So he provide like the Bible says that he's gonna provide for us. Um, it says he's gonna fulfill us. And so you can, like Tate said, like look at the word and that's what you can expect God to do. He, everything that he says he is, take it out his word and really trust him. Um, and you'll be able to reap really wonderful, amazing things. Um, one thing I wanted to add to that, because there's a little part in that question that asked about protective. Yeah, yeah. Will he, pr will he protect me? Um, I love that question. Um, personally, for me, as the Lord has worked in mine and Joshua's life, he has, like, called us. Many of you guys don't know our testimony, but he has called us from one area, like one hometown, and moved us almost every two and a half to three years. Um, we've probably going to be staying in Monterey longer just because the Lord has really put that on our hearts of like this is where I have you now but you guys there was a lot of fear of like but if I move from my hometown how do I know I'm going to be safe you guys um as a mom of youngins like that was a lot for me to just give up in a sense that safety of my hometown my family is close by um i have the fence the boundary line so to speak in our house that we own and i'm going to give it up for what i mean when we moved here in santa cruz we literally didn't have a home we stayed with somebody for five months before we found a home and we lived in santa cruz for, two, for four years yeah and um you guys that was a lot for me and the Lord totally convicted me he sent me to second Chronicles chapter 7 starting at verse 14 he said if my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land now to me what that really spoke was I'm his he called me I'm his disciple I made a commitment to be a follower of Jesus and so he called me by my name by our family Shively name and he said I'm sending you I'm, I'm sending you out there is no guarantee that you're going to be moving to a really safe area where your children will never encounter danger but I'm sending you so I want you to humble yourself Erica I want you to pray and I want you to seek me and when you do those things you will be able to turn away from those fears that you have, those false expectations of, oh, I'm serving the Lord and I'm, I'm being obedient and he's calling me out so he now therefore is gonna provide, da, 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 da. That was like a false, that's a false idea that I have, my own false expectation. And the Lord says, I will hear you, I will forgive you and I will heal you. He always promises that, you guys. That is a healthy expectation, that he's always going to hear you, he's always going to forgive you, and he is always sending you on a path of restoration and redemption wherever you're at. I'm going to say one more thing again. Okay. <laughs> you guys, we have up to 50,000 thoughts in our head a day by psychologists. That's what psychologists say. 
So battles are lost in our mind. The battle of expectations is lost in our mind. If you're saying in your mind every day, I'm going to be alone forever. I'm going to be alone forever. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. I have no friends. I have no friends. You're losing, right? You need to replace those thoughts, those wrong expectations with truth. You got to take the thought captive, take every thought captive under the obedience of Christ. That's what the word of God tells us. And you have to replace the thought. So you can't just say like, okay, I'm not going to think about being alone forever. I'm not going to think about being, because you're still thinking about it. You need to say, you need to grab a promise that replaces that wrong expectation. And so like, if I think nothing good is going on in my life, nothing good is going on in my life, I'm going to look towards Romans 8 and I'm going to replace the thought with, and we know all, and we know that those who love Oh my gosh. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those called according to his purpose. Right? So and now every time I think nothing good is going on in my life, I'm going to I'm going to cite that verse. I'm going to tape it to my mirror. I'm going to write it on my hand. I'm going to meditate on that. You have to start meditating on the truth. You can't keep meditating on wrong expectations. Okay? So it's a battle and you're not going to be win every day, but overall we have victory in Christ and that he can give you like correct expectations. You have to believe that about God. You have to believe that he wants goodness for you in the land of the living, that he wants abundance for you here in life in life. And it's just going to look a lot different than maybe what you thought it would look like. Cool. Um, I wanted to touch on uh, protection uh, very simply, just so in Psalms 3, and this is, these are simple verses. I love them. Psalm 3, verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Um, Jesus is a protector. Mm-hmm. He, I think one of our biggest weapons is prayer. Um, I know Josh was joking earlier about how if I didn't pray, then the whole building would come down and all that. But um, uh, honestly, I've I've learned in life that I need Jesus so badly, so I, I guess I could, could say I pray so much sometimes, sometimes, because I need Jesus so badly all the time, and that's that's such a weapon, such a weapon. Um, and whoever wrote it, I just and I know it can go for all of us. Just Jesus surrounds Himself all around you. Um, Ask, he'll be given to you. He'll he'll protect you. Seek him, you shall find him. Uh, knock, the doors will be opened um, for expectation as well. So, uh, our God's big. So, yeah. yeah thank you. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, and just to kind of go with that, guys. Not that life is perfect, and I think you guys get that. Right? There's going to be hard times, but as we as we uh, abide in Christ, as we abide and follow Him, those we, we lean on those promises where the Word says that His thoughts, God's th- thoughts towards us are good. Their plans of, of good and not evil. 
And so we rest in that, knowing that our God's plan for us is good. Even if life falls apart, we know that God has a purpose in it. Um, and that's why God brings people into your life, like youth pastors and youth leaders that you can lean to and go to, and they'll, they'll encourage you in that, okay? So continuing on with this, um, thanks guys for all your comments and just pouring out like that. Um, I got kind of a two-part question here. They're, they kind of go together. They both have to do with LGBTQ. Um, so the first one is, if you don't agree with the LGBTQ community because it goes against the Bible, what do you do when a friend comes out, quotation marks, and you want to be supportive and the second part to that is, is it bad to call a gender-questioning friend by their preferred pronouns? So instead of he or she, um, that person may want to be called they or them, um, or uh, maybe even they even change their name from their like, name that they were born with to a new name, uh, or is it too far into the secular world? This is something that's very real in your guys' generation. This is something that um, even, in a sense, you're seeing maybe in your textbooks or your classes are talking about. And I'm, I'm sure many of you, if you're in the workforce and you're, you're working at, at, heck, even a Starbucks or something like that, or you go to a public school, um, you're being faced with this. There, there's equality clubs and there's, there's you know, uh, movements even at, you know, uh, the, the lowest of ele even elementary school where they're being taught, um, you know, if someone chooses to be a, a non-binary type of pronoun, then that's our job to call them that. And so I'm gonna kind of let my, my leaders here speak into that a little bit, and then, uh, and we'll keep going with that. So Mark, do you wanna start with that? Yeah, well, I, I look at it from, I'm gonna answer more that that second part of the question, is it okay to um, call people by their preferred pronoun, or is that going too secular? I, I don't think that's going too secular. I think. Jesus calls us to love um, one another and love our neighbor. And these people are people we interact with, we work with, um, and that we should love. And, and uh, we're not really going to be able to make those connections. We're not really going to be able to fully love them if, if we shut down the conversation right there because we choose um, to not respect what they're wanting to be called. Um, I think that shuts down the dialogue. And what we really should be doing is building... Um, an understanding of one another. Why is it that they want to be called that pronoun? You know, what is their story? What is their life? Um, and, you know, just, I think if you're in that position where you're feeling this feels too secular, I, I would encourage you um, to, to get to know them, to call them by their preferred pronoun, but also be able to be open with them about why you, you, you stick to the he's and she's, you know, explain yourself. Just like they're being open with you and asking you to call them by their preferred pronoun, I think respect that, but then also share, share your life, share your opinions, you know? I think that's really important. Um, but yeah, all of it should come back to showing love um, for, for the people around you, even when you disagree with them sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to the proverb, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers a multitude of sins, right? That's one of my favorite verses, if you can't tell. But um, when a friend comes out or something, we're just called to love them. You know, I think if Jesus went to the woman at the well, or when they, you know, like, she, he knew all of her sin, he knew all of her shame, and he still went and talked to her, like, 
we're supposed to imitate Christ, right? So we do the same thing. You just still treat them with love and respect. And But at the same time, you can hold to the conviction that you don't agree with everything. And it's okay to not agree with people and just still talk to them and sit with them and hang out with them, right? Um, but you want to stay close to your your word because I think I went through a season where I started to really put that into question like okay well but what does the Bible really say about that and how do I treat those people and so I started to listen to um, a lot of coming out stories and everything and of course my heart grows in compassion and empathy but then the truth kind of gets a little fuzzy right if that's all I'm listening to and and I and I'm not holding on to the word of God um, my convictions start to get fuzzy so you got to make sure that you are staying connected and asking your pastors and um, knowing the truth and knowing why scripture says it and why we have certain beliefs because if you can't answer it for yourself um, then you have no business telling them yes or no or that's right or wrong right if you don't know for yourself if you haven't done the own your own research and your own praying and asking the Lord um, you don't get to speak into that for them yeah, and just to, you know, just to kind of level the field here, you guys, we, you know, if you're sitting here and you, you're a Christian this morning, um, and we, we can read the Word of God and we can see in Genesis 1, God created a man and woman. We know this. Like, this is biological. This is something that has not changed since the beginning of time. It will never change. There are men and there are women. And even if somebody claims uh, a binary pronoun, that person, whether they're man or woman, they will always be a man or woman. Even if they get surgery, even if they get hormone replacement, it doesn't matter. They will biologically always be a man and woman. And we know that. And see, as Christians, we, we have a responsibility to know that, to be smart, not to be naive, but to, to know the facts so that when we speak to that person, when that your neighbor or that person at your school, or that person you work with comes out and says, would you please call me by this? See, the thing is, we have to be above reproach and and be able to say, okay, I'll call you them if that's what you want, but I want you to know like, this is what I believe, but I can still respect you. But see, and then what that does is that opens a door, hopefully, as you pray for them, as you continue to show them love and grace, yet holding to your, your convictions, that they may go to you and say, okay, like, I'm not happy. Because the fact is that, that most kids your age that are going by those non-binary pronouns, or maybe they even are at your age getting hormone replacement or, or looking to get some type of surgery. Statistics show by the time they hit 30 years old, they want to go back. Over and over again, statistics show that. this is We live in a very broken world. And as these young men and young women are being told that they can be other than a male or female, they're being lied to. And guys, think about it. From the beginning of time, we've had male and female. That's what God created. And we're living in a culture, and you guys are growing up in a world that is saying that no, you can be whatever you want. I mean, you guys, that's insanity. It really is. But see, Christianity has survived and thrived and flourished through insanity before, through culture after culture and, and communism and, and horrific, horrific things that have happened even in the 20th century. And yet, as Christians, we stay firm and we stay founded in the word of God and in our faith. And we do show love and we do show grace because when the world comes out of that insanity, it looks back at the church and says, why are you still stable? Why are you still firm in what you believe? And they come to us, and they come to the church, and they come to Christ. And you guys, this is what history does, okay? And so, yeah, what, what my leaders are saying is so true. You show love, you show grace. I mean, really, is it going to hurt your conviction that much to say, call somebody a them rather than a she or he? If that opens a door for them to say, hey, I knew you were a Christian, but you're respecting me. Like, doesn't that open a door? So that's kind of what we're getting at there. If you have more questions on that, or do you guys have anything else to say on that? No? 
Okay, if you, yeah, Mark? I think maybe just to the first part of the question, how do you respond to someone who does come out to you? You know, I think if people are coming out to you, that, that means they trust you um, and they want to share that part of their life with you. And so I, I don't think it's, it's your place, yeah, like Tate's saying, to, to be negative or to not engage in that. Um, but knowing that we all, like, just like them, they may be doing something you don't agree with and that you know is a sin, but we all have sin in our lives still. You know, this is one area of their life that they might have sin in mm -hmm. um, from our Christian worldview mm -hmm. and from our truth. Um, but they might not hold that, that same um, Christian worldview. So I think, if anything, be happy that they, they're, they're thinking about their life, thinking about who they are and who they want to be and that they're sharing that with you. Um, but grow with them and, yeah. and continue to minister to them. So, um, yeah, I just want to encourage you, don't be, don't be afraid of that. Yeah. You guys, something I've been really working on is my reaction when I hear things like this or someone comes out. You guys, we all in this room, none of us are perfect, yeah? We all have a sin or two, and especially that dark one that we do keep hidden, right? And we all struggle hardcore at times. This is no different. And like what Mark was saying, like we all have our sin. What I've really been working on is that disgust that I feel when I see something going on that I'm like, that's not okay. And I gotta check myself. When someone comes out to you, do you feel disgust towards that person or towards the sin? And that's where you need to check yourself and remind yourself, it's not up to you to condemn or to judge a person just because they're sinning just like you are, right? You may not be sinning in the same area, but if you have disgust towards a person, you're in the wrong. Jesus never had disgust towards anyone that he ever met, no matter how deep their sin was, all right? Never. He always reached out to them and he loved them. I always think of the leper with the open sores, the pus oozing from their wounds, the stinky smell, the skin literally falling and rotting off their skin, and he literally would lay his hands on them. He would stoop down to their level and look them in the eyes and love them right then and there, okay? So I think we really need to check ourselves. Take a moment if you need to, if somebody comes out and says, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Like Mark said, I love that. They trust you. They trust you enough to know that you're not gonna straight up just go, we're no, friend, we're no longer friends. Get out. But check yourself. If you don't know what to say, just thank you for sharing with me. Thank you for trusting me. I want to respond correctly. Give me a second. Let me take this in. I want to be here for you in the right way. I want to process with you. But you guys, please check yourself. Are you disgusted with the sin and praying for them and, and wanting to get that sin like removed from their lives or are you disgusted at the person? We need to know the difference and we need to be able to have Jesus in those situations. Yeah, and you just guys gotta remember like this person or, or somebody that you're talking with that, that is changing their pronouns or claiming LGBTQ, um, they're being influenced by a world. And where Romans four tells us, don't be conformed to the world, but, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Um, we're all students of something, and they're students of what the world is telling them and what these equality clubs and, and the, the, the secular system is telling them. And, and maybe they're coming to you so that you can like, be a part of that, drawing them out to where they're not just being conformed, but they're, they can maybe be transformed by the renewing of their mind, by coming to youth group or talking with you. And, 
And so be that light. You know, be that light, guys. And remember that they're not the enemy. They're not. We live in a broken world. Sin's the enemy. The devil's the enemy. You know, that secular society that, that conforms is the enemy, not them. Okay? So if you have any more questions with that, please come talk to us afterward. Um, just to move on. Talk to your youth pastors. And because uh, I know that's, that's something you, that's a hot topic in your guys' generation. Okay? So kind of moving on with that, that same mindset. Another huge topic in your guys' generation is spirituality. Where a lot of people are spiritual. Right? They're, they're a part of some type of spirituality. They, they claim to, to you know, be spiritual or be you know, in touch with you know, themselves and the universe and things like that. But yet, they're not religious. You know, they're not seeking out the true God. They're not, they're not actually like, devoted to a faith, but they're just kind of spiritual. And so the question says, can different people have different images of what God slash heaven looks like? Um, kind of in a sense like, you know, can they just kind of imagine whatever God, you know, they want, in a sense? Or, or can God just kind of look whatever they want to? Um, so, yeah. So, any of you guys got a comment on that one? Or you want to take that one? Meg? <laughs> Good. I think um, Jessica's this person talked to me. I know that they oh. were thinking more specifically, like, if we all have different images of God, is that appropriate? I think you can definitely answer the spirituality one. But if you, if your image of God is like God with long, flowing red hair and a tie-dye shirt, and <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what you think. But if that's your image of God, like it doesn't tell us what God looks like. So um, we really all probably have different images of God, right? I mean, if you grew up in the church, you might think He has the brown hair with the white robe. I don't know. But I personally think God's probably like pretty tan because, or Jesus at least is pretty tan because of where he lived. Brown power. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, I don't know. You, we all have different images of God, and then that's that's okay. Like if what you imagine God to be. I think if you know what I mean. But yes, I think Josh is going to speak to this the spiritual part of it. But we don't. God, it doesn't tell us what God looks like, right? I mean, it says cra- some crazy things in Revelation. If you haven't read that, you should, because there's some, you know, he's, what he looks like specifically. But yeah, yeah, fire eyes, fire eyes, sword from mouth, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so. Sort of, yeah, revelation. Anyway, so the whole idea behind this, guys, um, and the reason I brought up spirituality is because we do live in a culture where spirituality is okay, you know, and that can mean a multitude of things and all kinds of things. And, you know, some of the, the biggest hashtags on Instagram have to do with spirituality or uh, like some type of Wicca, Wiccan type, type mentality where it's being one with the earth and being spiritually natured and to, to meditate in these things. And these are all very spiritual type terms. Now, we as humans, we are made to be students, okay? Every one of us. And that, that Christian word we use, sanctification, um, and the way to say it is spiritually formed, um, that's not just a Christian thing. That's a human thing humans are always being formed into something. We're always, in a sense, being a student or a Padawan, however you want to put it, of a teacher, right? Maybe your teacher is social media. Maybe your teacher is your, your future. And so you're looking to, to what school am I going to and what career do I want? Or, or maybe your teacher is video games. Or maybe your teacher is, I don't know, whatever it is. It can be all kinds of things. And so the question is, like, what are you being spiritually formed into? Right? What, 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 is, what is the image of your teacher? And so to ask, like, can we have a different image of God? Well, the first thing, like, God, God is God, right? He doesn't have, like, some gender, right? God isn't a gender. He's just God. We call, him, we call God him in the Bible because, because he is absolute masculinity, and he is absolute covering, and he is that perfect image of a father that gives life. 
So we call him Father and we call God him because that's like what he is. He is the perfect image of that. But God doesn't have a gender, right? He's God. He's the creator of male and female. He's the creator of all things. And so to think of him, like, like Tate was saying, you know, I actually think of like some deep voice dude with dreadlocks like Haji back there, like up, you know, he's this big, powerful, like, you know, Mufasa type character, you know. But the idea is that God is, he's God. He's the great creator, you know, and, and we see his image through Christ. We see Christ as that perfect image of God who became flesh. And we see him in spirit through the Holy Spirit that works in us, that, that is a person, that has a character, that, that moves within us. But see, the idea is, is who are we allowing to teach us in the spiritual age? In this, this time where spirituality is totally okay. It's just a matter of what is your spirituality. And, and, and so to ask, like, no, like, yeah, we all have different images, in a sense, as hum- humans of this God or this creator, this higher power. But see, in Christianity and in Christ, we have an image of God as Father, as Creator, as, as provider, right? We look to the Old Testament and who he was for the, the children of Israel as he was intimate and personal with them. And that was all an example to us, the book of Hebrews tells us. And so to, to always remember you guys, even though the world is telling you that religion and spirituality can be this big salad bar where you're like, I'll have a little bit of this and I'll have a little bit of this. And I kind of like that spirituality over there. The fact is that's not how God works. He is who he is. When Moses said, how do, what do I tell them? Like, what do I tell the children of Israel? And what does God say? I am. I'm just, I am. I always have been, always will be. I am. And so to remember that you, you're not just serving some concept, some spiritual being in the, in the cosmos, but you are imagining when you pray and when you, when you go before him in like that solo time today, you are going before the God of the universe that is I am. Okay? Um, and so hopefully that kind of goes that way. Anything else, guys, on that? No? All right, kind of lighten the mood. We've got a couple more minutes here. How do we know when God's speaking to us? Jamie. <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> Good question. Good question. So... I'm going to first say, I'm going to just step out on a limb. Um, I'm going to say, whatever is not of the word, it's not from God. Um, straight up. Uh, if, and that's hopefully, sorry, I don't mean to just like, boom! <laughs> um, I, I know in my own life, you know, there's, there's expectations, there's uh, passions, there's desires. Um, and that's for each one of us. And so seeking God with a, with a whole heart and, well, actually, I'll just say, first of all, seeking God with your whole heart, um, which is awesome, which is exciting. Um, he will show you. He will show you uh, the truth. With that, um, I think all of us in here can say, you know, there's so many times that it can be like, okay, was that, was that God? Was that me? Was that Satan? Was that, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, and we're, we're emotional beings and all that. Um, but I think I'll leave it at just, 
if it doesn't line up with scripture, it's, it's not from our Jesus. Um, and I think I'll add to, um, Jesus, as we seek him wholeheartedly, he will give a peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, and I think I'll go to the, um, I think I'll go to the point of saying just, um, even if it's not, we, I know I can think of peace as an emotion, um, but I don't really think it is. Uh, we can just have that stillness before God and um, that serenity, if you will. So, and if we go off the path a little bit, you guys, um, Jesus is so good. He's our shepherd. He'll, he'll lead us back on. And uh, he knows your heart. He knows if you're seeking him wholeheartedly. He's, he's stoked. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll lead you to that right path. So um, hope that helps. Um, I think what Jamie, kind of taking on what Jamie was saying, you know, every good deed comes from God. Um, and so, yeah, if it's, if it's not from God's word, um, it's not going to be life building and life giving. Um, and so look, look for those things. But uh, God's speaking, you know, how do we know when God's speaking in our lives? I think God can encounter us in a lot of different ways. I don't think there's going to be one way. I don't think it's just going to be a voice whispering to you. Um, I think God, we can encounter God and he can speak to us through worship. Um, I think he can speak to us through those quiet times. And I think he can uh, speak to us using our brains. You know, have you ever just been in those situations where you feel really convicted to do something or to not do something? I, I believe sometimes that, that really is God. That's not just our, our upbringing. That's just not what we've been told we should do. I think that God really does speak into our lives and, and, and uses our brain and our conscience for that. But yeah, also just, yeah, remember, God will encounter you if you open yourself up to him. Um, so, so worship him, pray to him, and let him speak to you through that. All right, kind of last question. We've got a couple more minutes, guys. Um, kind of to paraphrase this question, um, they're kind of asking, like, how many hours does it take to become an expert at Christianity? <laughs> Haji, how many hours does it take, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing is, guys, the thing is that um, the question is kind of like, how, how do I become an expert? Right? How do I become a better Christian, I think is what they're asking. Like, how, many t how much time do I really have to put into this thing? And, you know, I'll just shorten that up with an answer of a lifetime, <laughs> a lifetime, you know, and it's, it is, it's, but the question then after that is, what would you rather spend your life doing? You know, who would you spend, what would you spend your life serving? Like, what would you rather, rather your be, life be about other than like serving Christ and becoming more like the perfect man, right? The perfect person that loved perfectly and gave grace perfectly and, and, and showed compassion perfectly and had perfect righteousness and perfect anger and, and all those things. What else would you rather be like, you know? And so, I don't know, maybe we just kind of end with a couple words of encouragement to these students of just, of just like continue on in this of like a crazy world that we live in and where we're at and um, just kind of what it takes. I think Megan's perfected it. So Meg's perfected it. Yeah, let me give you all the secrets. No, 
Um, what do you want to say? Just yeah, just, just encouragement of like, like what it takes to continue on. Um, I think kind of as I was answered before about like taking God at his word. Um, and even just like different things I've heard this weekend and even one of the questions about hearing from God is like, if you're not spending time with him, you're not going to know what he's like. You're not going to know what he loves. You're not going to know what he's about. Like if Josh comes in and walks up behind me and he starts talking, I'm going to know that he's talking. But if some stranger comes up, I'm not going to know who that is. And it's the same thing as like you spend time with someone to get to know them. And that's what the Lord really wants from us. Um, and I just encourage you, like all the promises in here are true. They're not just something that's like he just says and then doesn't follow through. It's like all these things that he promises for us, they're true. And, you know, I'm still so far from like banking my whole life on them that I fail so many times and I fear and I doubt. But the times where I've been able to just step out and see the Lord have to come through, it's been so worth it. Um, and I think just if you're kind of on that edge of really try, wanting to follow Jesus and you're just something's holding you back, I know that I was so afraid that it wouldn't be worth it. And he is so worth it. And it's a decision that you will never regret. And it's been like seven years now. And it's been the most fulfilling as I found that purpose in life. And it's just, it's never a decision that you regret. Um, it's what you're created for. So just encourage you to press on to know him um, and that he's worthy. Okay, I have some words from Oswald Chambers, actually. He says, if we are going to live as disciples of Jesus, we have to remember that all efforts of worth and excellence are difficult. The Christian life is gloriously difficult, but its difficulty does not make us faint and cave in. It stirs us up to overcome. That has been my walk with the Lord ever since I turned 19 and truly gave my life over. I'm turning 33, as Josh said, and I have not arrived. I know that. There's so much more for me to work on. Every season is new. Um, I feel like some seasons are similar, but it's like the next level up of difficulty. And you guys, as I get through each season and I learn more, there is that stirring of like, oh my gosh, I am becoming stronger. I am becoming more of a warrior. I can look back and I can see that I conquered I had victory and I did it all with Christ beside me and it was him that gave me that strength to do it um, so yeah what does it take <laughs> perseverance it takes endurance don't give up one day at a time it takes a tremendous amount of discipline to live the worthy and excellent life of a disciple of Jesus in the realities of life and it is always necessary for us to make an effort to live a life of worth and excellence worth and excellence you guys integrity move forward one day at a time don't give up and don't fool yourself thinking oh, I've arrived because I grew up in the Christian home and I'm now 16 you know you don't know everything yet and there's a joy in that that God is not done with you yet you think life is good now if you've had victories in your life already and that gives you hope and a joy, you guys, there's so much more, so much more. And it's all great, it's all good. And you'll never discover it if you don't press forward, if you don't keep going, okay, it's worth it. Okay, so since I'm the suffering queen, 
Let me tell you the cycle of life that's going to happen to you. Here we go. You can write this down. This is biblical. This is truth. You're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. I don't know what your sufferings are going to be. I hope they're not as painful as mine. I pray they're not as painful as mine. I don't want any of you to suffer. And that's why I'm here, honestly. Yet last night when I was telling you guys I want you to come forward, it's because I don't want you to suffer. I want you to confess your sin because I don't want you to suffer. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. No condemnation in Christ. Say it with me. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Do you believe it? Do you actually believe that he has covered your sins? Like that's what you need. That's what this life requires. But let me tell you, you're going to suffer. And this is going to be the cycle. Here we go. You're going to sin. And because of that, you're going to have suffering. But not all suffering is caused by sin. But here we go. Suffering is going to produce endurance. So you're going to get stronger. You're going to be able to suffer for longer. Your first trial might be a day. Then the next trial might be a week. And then it might be a season. And those seasons turn into years. But you're going to have endurance to go through them. After endurance, it produces character. You're going to get smarter, wiser, hopefully more loving, hopefully more gracious and patient, right? All those things that we need, hopefully more humility. Joshua would say, I've really grown in humility this year. <laughs> that wasn't humble at all. Okay. But, right? It produces our character. After character comes hope. You guys, hope. We all need hope. We all need hope. If, if, if there's no hope, what is the point? What's the point to keep going? If I know I'm going to suffer, if I'm telling you you're going to suffer, your question should be, so then what's the point? The point is hope. The point is knowing that there's an eternity that I'm going to get to spend forever with the man who loves me the most and that his name is Jesus, right? I'm, I'm working. I'm going to Jesus. I'm running to Jesus. And then the cycle, unfortunately, starts over again, okay? So you just get to do it however many times you need in life. So I don't know how many times you're going to need to do that cycle, but it just keeps going and going and going. All right? So those are my words of encouragement for you. Remember the cycle. Figure out where you are in the cycle. You could do it. Yeah. The Suffering Queen. It's a new podcast right there, The Suffering Queen. I have something from uh, Ephesians three fourteen through 21. Um, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of the, his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints with the length, the depth, the height of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask, think, or imagine, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Um, I don't need to say anything after that, but um, I mean, I will say, just like Tate was saying, Jesus can get us through anything, you guys. Um, whether it's depression, anxiety, 
suicidal thoughts, just anything, anything you guys are going through. And um, he suffered it on the cross, and he suffers with you. Um, and I, I really mean that. Uh, we're available, too. I just want to say we're available um, for you guys to just come and just spill your guts out, too. We're, we're not Jesus, but we can, we can lead you to the one who's saved us. And if, if he's saved us, if he's saved me, which he has, um, and he's sanctified me, uh, he can save you and he can work on you um, in radical ways. So awesome. Thanks, guys. So I know you guys are all in school, um, and you study a lot, and so you're used to studying. Um, and this question of, if I spend 10,000 hours doing something, does that make me like a master? Am I, am I certified? Am I qualified in, in that task, that, that skill? Um, I hope we all eventually spend at least 10,000 hours um, practicing our Christian faith, reading our Bible. That, that's amazing. But let's not wait to hit the 10,000 hour mark, you know? Uh, the good thing with Christianity is if you've been a Christian for an hour, the best way to retain that knowledge, to retain that skill <laughs> of being a Christian is, is go teach it to someone else. How, how many of you have taken, are studying for a test and you're, you know, you've read the entire textbook three times, but someone asks you a question, you're just like, no clue, got no answer for you. And then, you know, you take 10 minutes to try to explain it to someone, break it down, all the concepts, whatever you know. As soon as you start teaching it, you start getting it even more. And it's that much more powerful. So I think, yeah, regardless of if you spend 10,000 hours studying and reading your Bible and uh, being the perfect Christian, um, take your faith, take your love of Jesus, and go share that with the world, all right? That would be my encouragement. Calvary Monterey's youth ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.